This podcast was prepared, conducted, and hosted by the History Out of the Box team in their personal capacity. This podcast is meant for listening entertainment, and any views, ideas, or opinions, historical or otherwise, may not extend past the boundaries of this podcast. Conversations or specific comments on behalf of the hosts and guests are for entertainment purposes only, and due to language and potentially offensive topics, listener discretion is advised. everyone thank you so much for tuning into the hottest new game show riddles in the dark the game show where you can become the wealthiest person to ever live if you answer my riddles correctly if you fail you'll be thrown into a raging fire with the power of a thousand suns just kidding you'll go home poor I'm your host, Jacko Maxson, and we have a great show in store for you. Our first contestant's name is Steven. Welcome to the show, Steven. Are you ready to answer my questions and riddles in the dark? Hi. Yeah, happy to be here. And yeah, I think so. All right. Here's the first riddle. What kind of bank has nothing but water in it? The answer to this riddle is a snowbank. What in the hee-hee? Who are you? I'm Mansa Musa. I answered the riddle. Get this peasant, Stephen, out of here. I'm your new contestant. Sorry, but Stephen is our contestant. Stephen, here's the next riddle. What goes further, the slower it goes. Money. Next riddle. Uh, yes, actually. Sorry, Stephen. We'll credit that guess to you. Next riddle. What five-letter word has only one left when two letters are removed? Ha 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 ha. This is easy. Money. The answer is money. Next question. Sometimes I stink. Sometimes I'm dirty. Yet everybody wants me. Money. Next. What has two banks but no money? A riverbank. Next. I can be harder than a rock. Money. People need me. Money. What is the meaning of life? Money. Stop. We're not doing this. Steven, this is the last question. This is going to make you the wealthiest person who has ever lived if you answer it correctly. Mansa Musa, do not answer this riddle. Whoever makes it, tells it not. Whoever takes it, knows it not. Whoever knows it, wants it not. Mm. Is the answer counterfeit money? Yay! Oh, he, he, he! You did it! You are now the wealthiest person alive! You win! Stephen went on to live a wonderful life. He had plenty of kids. He was happy. He was wealthy. But not as wealthy as his friend from the show, Mansa Musa. The wealthiest man you've likely never heard of. Welcome to the History of the Box podcast. I am your friendly, unshaven, suave cam and with me i have my wonderful barney oh he's making fun of the color of my outfit i'm jen everyone hey welcome back yeah feeling good i am yeah i am you're unshaven i'm unshaven i look scruffy you know i've I've got the i like to to call it the unkept hairdo going on right yeah. now mm-hmm. we're doing good I yeah think. bring me back to my childhood with the coloration i like it you like you like the color the color of royalty very, it's appropriate yeah, for who right. we're talking about today exactly that's why i wanted to wear purple wow very 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 intelligent mm-hmm. really i thought this one through. i like it i like it a lot thank you so much uh now just quick heads up for our listeners if you happen to like our content you can find our content on instagram at history out of the box you can also find our content on youtube hence if you're watching on YouTube or Rumble, you can find our content there uh, at History Out of the Box. Now, we have been 
away for quite a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. Just a little background behind that. Not going to get too in depth, not going to get too sad. There was a family member of mine who passed away over the last month. So took a little bit of a break. Then we got wrapped up in other projects and things, and we've been absolutely busy. But with that being said, with all the sadness aside, with that being said, we have quite a wonderful lineup of characters coming your way very shortly in this history-esque pipeline. So we do. Keep we're, an really, eye out. we're really excited. We have some really exciting people we're going to talk about shortly, some that you may have had on your mind because there's been some uh, movies coming out that are going to be all about these people, and we're excited. But also, yes, we wanted to jump right back in with a with a very interesting person in history. And actually, this is someone who I heard about in a real clip that was about two seconds long. Someone mentioned it in a podcast, and I don't think the podcast had anything to do with history in particular. It was more of a an economic comment where someone mentioned that this man was the richest person who ever lived. And Mm. I thought, I have never heard of this person before. So I thought it would be a really interesting uh, person to to talk about. And uh, And this is a really cool story. Interestingly, to your point, we aren't exactly only a history podcast either. So if you find yourself looking for something that's a little bit different, a little bit more interesting, we happen to focus on the characters within history, as Jen, a.k.a. Barney, would say, the good the bad and the ugly of them because we feel history is kind of uh i don't know like like sometimes it's it's you know the gold called, washed gold washed that's gold-washed. a good way to put it yeah mm. can't say whitewashed that's well i mean depends on what history we're book you're looking about. at these yeah. days yeah. yeah no it's uh it's definitely someone i had never heard about before and i think it's definitely very interesting because we're going all the way back into 14th century west africa And again, like I said, I heard about this person being told as someone who bankrupt Egypt at this time. And I was like, who is this person? Who is this person? Elon Musk. We are talking today about Elon Musk. No, no. (laughs) Uh, He's from South Africa, actually. So pretty far away, pretty far away. That is a far, far away from what we're talking about. But today we are going to be diving into the life of what's known, at least, about Mansa Musa. The richest man you've never heard of. That's right. Of the Mali Empire, 14th mm. century. And he was a famous ruler, one of the wealthiest, most powerful empires in Africa during the Middle Evil period, by the way. Again, unfortunate. I had never, at least I don't remember learning anything about the Mali Empire, at least in great detail. Do you? Have you ever? Ah, uh, I remember learning about it very briefly. It was like very, 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 very briefly touched on in world history. But that is because I uh, was in AP world history. Because oh, good for you. I was smart. Just kidding. I got lucky. (laughs) I don't remember. That was a long time ago these days. But as described on an atlas in 1375, this king is the richest and noblest of all of these lands due to an abundance of gold that is extracted from his lands. Mm. And he was a towering figure who led an indelible mark on the history of West Africa. The ruler of the Mali Empire presided over a period of great prosperity and cultural flourishing at that time. It was a legacy that continues to inspire and captivate people from around the world to this day, although they may not know exactly who inspired some of the things that they really care about. So we are going to dive into the fascinating story of Mansa Musa and uncover many layers of his remarkable life and legacy. Isn't that nice? I just wanted to just just, just do something really nice to set the I feel like this could be like like a, like a, action movie in, over the summer. Bonsa honestly, Musa. honestly, this would be a really, really cool. 
a cool movie. The wealthiest. I feel man like of I say that time. every time we talk about anyone. Yeah. And again, we're not historians. We're kind of just we didn't know, so we looked it up and thought we'd share it mm. with the world. But every time I'm like, wow. Well, you know, you have to question. Cool you have to really question about how wealthy like these people really were because mm. you have to look at the disparity at least fiscally and this is me putting on my fig- figurative glasses um you have to look at the disparity of wealth compared to that time in comparison to today well you we'll, can't really track it accurately we'll crunch some numbers to what some historians can assume equivalates in like you know today's money mm. and it's pretty staggering very staggering i mean how, how many hoverboards did he have Oh, well, I mean, you never know. This was during the medieval times. There was, you know, a lot of lost, you know, Did he have a Bugatti Veyron? Maybe we lost the the blueprints to the hoverboard and we're just now getting it back. Mm. Well, let's jump into it. Let's see what he, let's see what his young life was about. Born in 1280 CE or AD, you know, things are changing these days. Again, my 990s <laughs> Southern California education, it's AD is what After I know. After Death Leopard, yeah. Yes, right, right. Mansa Musa's personal name is Musa or Musa. Um, I'm, I've heard it said different ways, so I sort of just say Musa because that's, that's my fine. English pronunciation. But it is the Arabic form of what you and I may traditionally know as Moses. What? Moses? He did the Moses? No, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> Mansa is the title of king uh, in the Mali Empire. So mm. that's how he's known as Mansa Musa. So technically his name is Musa. And uh, there is unfortunately very little known about his childhood. However, it is believed that he was a member of the Kiedadanic dynasty, which ruled the Mali Empire for several generations. According to legend, the founder of that dynasty was a prince named Sundiata Kiata who overthrew the ruling king of the Soso Empire and established the Mali Empire in the, thir- the 13th century. And Mansa Musa was said to be a descendant of that person and their son, Uli I. Mm. So, Mansa Musa, again, his actual name is Musa. My, Mansa is just a title. I just generally like say Zar. Mansa Musa. Yes, yeah. or Sultan or something like that. He or was like, your, your, your Highness. Your Highness, yes. Uh, your liege or mm. my liege. I don't know. My, I don't know how those, I, yeah. is that possessive? Uh, I don't sure. know. He was likely educated in Islamic faith and culture as Islam was already spread to West Africa by this point. And he was already probably receiving training from a very early age in martial arts, other skills necessary for a future ruler. And despite the lack of detailed information about his childhood, he later had so many of these incredible accomplishments. It's suggesting that he likely had a very good education and was trained to be a strong and capable leader. Yeah, people Um, were pretty smart back then, believe it or not. Yes, I know. It's sometimes it's so crazy how we think, oh, we've evolved so much. But sometimes you read about you know, history, and you're like, wow, maybe we got stupider. Uh, <laughs> we may have gotten a little stupid. Maybe a little bit. I mean, I, or better, you know. Monty Python, sometimes. the whole scene from Monty Python, the Holy Grail, where they're like talking about the witch and like she weighs in relation to the duck and she sinks, she's a witch. Like that, I was maybe accurate of the Dark Ages, but if that even existed, who mm. knows? Uh, but time. there's for another time. But with that being said, uh, yeah, I think people were pretty intelligent back then. It, Extremely. Yeah. But let's take a minute to actually jump into a little bit of a description of what 14th century Mali Empire was like. The Mali Empire was a vast West African kingdom that flourished from the 13th through the 16th century. Wast. 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 Sorry. Wast, bro. Excuse me. <laughs> West African kingdom that flourished between that, that time period, 13th 
I'm having 13th to the 16th oh my century. Gosh, word Hi, salad. I'm Jen, and uh, we're going to be focusing on its peak in the 14th century. Thank you. <laughs> we're going to be <laughs> focusing on its peak in the 14th century. The region, <laughs> the region of the Mali Empire during this period was a very diverse and culturally rich area that encompassed parts of present day Mali, Senegal, Gam- uh, Gambia, Niger, and the Burkina Faso. These are all countries that you would probably recognize today in West Africa. And it was deeply influenced by the Islamic faith. Like I said, the Mali Empire was also home to a rich tradition of oral history and storytelling with praise singers playing a very important role in actually preserving history at the time. So a lot of this information came through that. Were they called griots? Griots. That mm. is a better, yes. That, that is, is something that I pulled from my brain and not any notes nearby <laughs> me. <laughs> griots were highly respected figures who are responsible for recounting and telling the exploits of these rulers and important people as well as singing and playing music at important ceremonies because music has transcended time. You know, everyone loves a good Wait, song. Wait, so like Dandelion from The Witcher 3? I knew you Is were... that what they're like? Well, well... Kind of? In like a less well, caricature sure. way? Well, yeah. There was just, you know, people... I think that's throughout history and mm. all sorts of different cultures that they would have like song and that was a way of yeah. sharing the lives of the rulers. Yeah, rip... rip uh, Geralt and Henry Cavill. Oh boy. Well, Henry Cavill's still alive, but his character Geralt. I know. Oh, don't even get it's, me started. It's travesty. It's it is. Travesty. It is. Now, in the Mali Empire, slaves were generally acquired. Oh, see, I am all over the place. In terms of economy, the yeah. Mali Empire was a major center of trade and commerce. Yes, thank you. It was known for its production and trade of gold, salt, ivory, other valuable goods. And in terms of a social structure, the Mali Empire was a hierarchical society. Hierarchical? I, thank you. That is a, that is a mouthful. Uh, the ruling class was at the top, followed by the... Aristocracy? Yes. And the merchants, and then the common people, and slavery was also practiced in the empire, although it was not as pervasive, maybe, as in some other African societies. Not to say slavery isn't pervasive just on its face in general, but uh, there were limitations. <laughs> yeah. Do I have to clarify that? I'm sorry. Non-pervasive slavery. Uh, <laughs> yeah. There were limitations and restrictions placed oh. on the treatment of slaves in the Mali Empire. Generally, they were acquired in... Th- like warfare, raids mm-hmm. on neighboring kingdoms, uh, communities, and through trade with other African societies in the Arab world. But slaves were often used in labor for households, farms, mines. Okay, so this sounds pretty traditional. Soldiers, you know, to go fight someone else's Basically, war. Basically, the ruling class taking one segment of society that is not as entitled as they are and then forcing them to do something against their will and then holding a carrot in front of them. And if they reach the carrot eventually, even though they never will because it's tied to their back and it's a little too far away from their face, they'll be able to have freedom. That is basically what it is, and it has been in every single culture from the beginning of time. Well, historian Michael Gomez, he actually estimates that the Mali Empire captured approximately 6,000 people as slaves per year. However, slaves in the Mali Empire were not considered to be property in the same way as in some other societies. They were protected under certain rights. Um, It was illegal to kill or maim a slave, and they were entitled to some degree of protection from their owners. Well, I have a question there. Is it was it illegal to kill or maim a slave if you did not own them, or was it illegal to kill or maim them if you owned them? I don't know. You know, the thing is, slavery is just ugly, like just, and I didn't look at the details that you're asking, fair. so yeah. you've put me in a bit of a bind. Again, but, questions that I 
have no answers to. There were opportunities for slaves to gain their freedom through uh, showing exceptional loyalty or, or great warfare. battle efforts. You warfare know, warfare in the gladiator arena, yeah. with the maximum ma- Marcus they, Aurelius. This, yeah, <laughs> this was interesting. It seems that they were even possibly able to purchase their own freedom through an accumulation of wealth, through an assistance of like charitable organizations. So there were ways to get out, but in, I mean, it's just an ugly thing that was there. Genuinely though, if we ever get the chance to like go back in time, I would love to be able to actually see how many people are able to take advantage of that. Yeah. I don't know. I have to imagine it wasn't a lot. You would, you would hope it's kind of like that. It was a lot, but kind of like, like really like high levels of like, yeah, you're dead. like, is this is like, this the exception or the rule? Like, yeah, how many people are, are actually you ever going to be able this? to get out of like three hundred, five hundred, four hundred, six hundred, a million dollars of debt? Eh, probably not. But yeah. you know, well, it's not really debt. It's just yeah, sort but of like it's kind of the my... same principle. Technically, the only difference is the the bank owns you, and they're not going to like force you to not like stay in your home unless they steal your home. Right. But well, legal. But that's just the general output of what was kind of. Because we're going to play in... There's a, slaves are involved so in the So slaves existed. Yes. Uh, so okay. uh, Mansa Musa, what happened? How did he become the OG of the Mali Empire? In 1312, Musa inherited the throne from his predecessor, Mansa Muhammad Ibn Q. Okay? I think that's how you pronounce it. We're going to call him Mansa Muhammad. Again, his first name. Uh, he became the ninth Mansa of the Mali Empire. He would have been in his early 20s at the time. Musa. Now, Masa Muhammad has a rather interesting history as well. And when I read about this, I was like, I kind of have to mention just a brief thing about him because he is believed to have disappeared during a voyage across the Atlantic Ocean due to a historical record of what Mansa Musa actually told Egyptian officials down the road. Oh. And so I'm, I don't want to jump ahead of myself, but this is what Musa said happened to his predecessor. Did, did, did anyone else well, verify this? I mean, it's kind of iffy. It's it, it's a very strange story. Yeah, ago. it's a strange story. Um, which, by the way, there's some contextual clues whether the name is Muhammad or not the eighth the eighth Mansa, but that it must be because anyway, there's just a lot of game of telephone here. But according to historical accounts, Mansa Muhammad embarked on an expedition across the Atlantic Ocean in 1311 with a large fleet of ships, two thousand ships. And he had built this specifically for this purpose. The reasons for that expedition are unclear, but some historians actually speculate that he may have been seeking to establish trade with the Americas. And or to reach the ice wall. Or to <laughs> explore new territories. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, it's said that Mansa Muhammad never returned from this expedition, and his fate remains a mystery to this day. Well, yeah. 2,000 ships? 1310 CE? Oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, now, some accounts do suggest that his ships were caught in a storm, drowned at sea. That's fair. Okay, that is fair. Others claim that he reached the Americas and actually established a new kingdom there. Mm. Oh, I don't know. There's no conclusive evidence at all for either of those, but uh, Mansa Muhammad's uh, disappearance actually still remains one of the great unsolved mysteries of African history. And some reports refer to this individual actually, like I said, being Abu Bakr II, but there was no Mansa of the Mali Empire by that name, so it must have been Muhammad. Um, so if you do want to look this up and read about it, it may say Abu Bakr II or Muhammad. Which we might cover in a future episode. But it's just interesting to consider like mm. a fleet of 2,000 ships went missing crossing the Atlantic to possibly connect to the Americas in 1311. Hmm. Sailed the ocean blue. Indeed. 
flight MH370 <laughs> disappeared okay. somewhere in the South, <laughs> South Indian Ocean, and we're not really sure how it got there. Here's and the I, thing. Here's the I thing, mean, though. Come on. It's... Ocean's a big place. There's some conspiracy involved in here because it's also worth mentioning that some historians actually discount this story entirely. Did those 2,000 ships have $2 billion of gold in them? I mean, who knows? Were they I involved don't know, with maybe. the American government in the early 2000s? Well, some suggest that it was actually a story made by Mansa Musa as an explanation as to why he took the crown, took over, right? Also, I'm making these jokes because they're funny, not because I actually believe them. Stay out of here, trolls. But, uh, but again, I guess, like, yeah, it's a long time ago, 1310, Well, it's just hard because it's like... I mean, Historians say it happened. Historians say it didn't. Some have thrown credence on this voyage actually taking place, and some say it's unclear if it was ever happened in the first place or if it was successful at all. So it's just like this big mystery. Look, and if, we may never know, right? If we, we don't know. know where Atlantis is right now, we're likely not going to know where these ships went. Okay, they're all in the same place. Probably. Bottom line is, Musa became Mansa. Okay, yeah, Mansa Musa, yeah. and upon his ascension. He began to expand the Mali Empire by conquering neighboring territories, establishing a strong military, all the same stuff. So you through hear all through the time. murder and violence, yes. Oh, well, that's what every ruler in history has ever done. Yep. So he consolidated Mali's control over important trade routes as well, because this uh, trans Saharan trade route was a huge deal at the time. West Africa, the Mediterranean mm-hmm. world, you know, bastion of goods and, and wealth. Yes. Yeah. Now, He was also known for his patronage of the arts, and it's also said that he had supported many artists and musicians and writers during his reign, so he was, you know, know, very into that. He's like Napoleon. Yeah, maybe he had some, uh, I don't know, well. You can't have a complex, you can't have a tall complex. No, I was going to say, well, here's the thing. Also, I was literally about to roll into what I was going to say. You mentioned Napoleon, but it's often described that Matsumusa was very tall, Mm -hmm. regal, dignified, um, commanding presence, believed to have stood at least six feet tall, considered quite tall for the time he lived. And he was known for his physical strength, his athleticism. Uh, Being of African descent, he likely had dark skin, coarse hair. He was a devout Muslim who wore traditional Muslim clothing, which typically included a long robe, a turban. And he was known for his love of gold. He would often wear gold jewelry, carry a gold scepter, and overall, a very striking guy with regal demeanor, and it would make him stand out in a crowd. Obviously, very powerful, dominant, influential. He was heads and shoulders above all the rest. That's right. There there you go. Way to summarize it all. (laughs) He also had a wife. And we're going to talk about her once and never again. Her name was Inari. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's it. Side Um, piece. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. But, uh... I don't know about you. I, I've I've done well, so many flubs of words. We need a break. We've listed this. So we've gone over the traditional things. Okay, mm-hmm. he's he's tall. He's regal. He's he's suave. He's strong. Mm-hmm. He loves murder. He's wealthy. Mm-hmm. And the arts. He loves the arts. Okay, I'm getting the vibe here, dude. He's just like all the powerful leaders that we've talked about. So what changes? And we'll answer that after the commercial break. And it has been exactly five and a half seconds. Uh, we just sat here in silence and then decided to start talking. And we're back. We're talking we about Mansa Musa, uh, the greatest Mansa of the Mali Empire. And I don't know if that's true, but I'm going to stick by it. I'm going to I'm going to agree with you there. I mean, we did, like you said, talked about all the kind of background information to sort of understand the time period in which this man lived. But the main big story of his life is what we're going to launch into next. Sort of the thing that got me interested in in reading and learning a bit about him was what 
this whole pilgrimage to Mecca. That's this big part of his life. Mm. And Mons Musa was most famous for this. It's actually called a Hajj, or I'm going to just call it pilgrimage. It's still today. Um, same thing. Uh, Muslim do this. Uh, Muslims do this. So he did a pilgrimage to Mecca in 1324. And this journey would span for him 2,700 miles. Wow. And there was no, you know, he didn't have his Amex points to get first class I mean, they had, they had they had Uber it. back then, so right. he would just now, hop in the Mecca, Prius. Now, Mecca, though, Mecca, for those who aren't aware, is a city located in the western region of Saudi Arabia, and it's considered the holiest city in Islam. It's the birthplace of the Prophet Muhammad, who was founded Islam in the 7th century, and it is also the site of the Kaaba, which is a cube-shaped structure. You've probably seen photos of it before. It's a very famous structure. Muslims believe it was built by who's you and I would probably commonly know as Abraham or mm. the prophet Abraham in uh, Islam. It's the most sacred Ibrahim. site. Ibrahim, excuse me. Uh, the most sacred site in Islam. Muslims around the world actually face towards the Kaaba during daily prayers. And this pilgrimage to Mecca is one of the five p- pillars of Islam. So, you know, I'm not going to list all the pillars, but it's one of the things that is basic acts of worship that are required by Muslims all around the world. So every year, millions of Muslims will actually go to Mecca. It's like getting baptized. Yes, it's, it's a big deal. Um, so, and Mansa Musa's pilgrimage to Mecca actually began in 1324, and it was one of the most significant events of his reign. He set out from the Mali capital of Niani with a huge amount of soldiers, officials, merchants, and slaves, as well as a vast array of gold, which like I said, will cause problems down the road for some neighboring nations. I love to know how they ca- I love to know how they carried that. They just like split it up into multiple camels or horses or well, he ca- chariots. Here's or- the thing: he didn't intend to keep it with him the whole time. He actually brought the gold specifically to give it away. He wanted to fund his journey because mm. you know you got to buy things. You don't. Yeah. You got to you know get your food and get your cloth. Food cloth. and cloth. Huh? Food and cloth. Yeah. You know, You've done a staples. lot of travel, <laughs> <laughs> but. He wanted to give gifts. And this caravan was actually estimated to be around 60,000 people, including 12,000 slaves who carried bags of gold, gold dust, bars, uh, currency at the time. And they would all be wearing Persian silk, carrying gold staffs. They just probably looked super badass. Mm -hmm. Um, But Mansa Musa also brought with him many camels, Horses, they carried the food, the water, all the supplies on the long journey across the Sahara Desert, which is a long stretch of nothing. (laughs) Absolutely nothing. Um, Now, approximately 18 tons of gold were taken on this pilgrimage, which would translate to about 957 million U.S. dollars in 2022. So about a billion in 2023. (laughs) That guy had some serious cojones. Yeah. Or as the real ones say, cojones. And Mm. honestly... Dude, 18 tons of gold mm-hmm. across the Saharan desert. Hot. No. Hot. No. But why? you know what this reminds me of? Well, I know why. But and I, 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 I only don't feel like this. I feel like this can be an honest comparison because it's a fictional kingdom and a fictional place. But Yo, be careful. Disney's Aladdin. Okay. Why? No, it just reminds me of when they turn Aladdin, the genie turns Aladdin into this f- Sultan, fake Sultan How from a place. Go? Prince mm. Ali. No, 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 no. The very beginning one. Uh, oh, I come from a land. Uh, on a yes, that one. Place. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's a great song. Anyway, I'm just imagining 
I, it's a fake kingdom in a Disney movie. Well, I also have trauma now because you brought up Disney. Oh, so, well. Sorry. I'll try not to do that again. <sighs> I've learned that Walt Disney is a distant relative of mine. It's ruined my life. Oh, please. My life is ruined. <laughs> now, as they journeyed across the desert, Mansa Musa's entourage actually encountered many challenges. It wasn't easy, obviously. Sandstorms, extreme temperatures, attacked by bandits. Yeah. All the huge, but they were well organized, they were well provisioned, and they actually managed to overcome most of these along the way. They had 60,000 people. Yeah. I mean, there's a few They of were them. doing good. Yeah, there's a few that they could afford to lose, okay? Mm, I that's mean, true. how many bandits are going to take on a group of 60,000? It's a full that's like that's yeah. how, that's 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 what Charger Chargers fans don't experience a full stadium of people, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, that's incredible. I don't know. Oh, if only. Yeah. They're, they're about like 15, 20,000. We're allowed to game. say that we're from San Diego. They left us a long time ago, but <laughs> along the route, uh, the entourage was stopped or was stopped. They stopped themselves. They were and, stopped by yeah, many cities. The police towns. pulled them over and said, <laughs> what are you doing? Um, no, they stopped in many cities and, and towns and they were greeted by local rulers and officials. And he was known. Mansa Musa was known for his generosity. Mm. Okay. He distributed large amounts of gold to the people he met along the way, including the poor and needy. He wasn't just giving it out to the, the, you know, rulers, the rich and wealthy. No, he would the the rich and the wealthy and needless. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> he he literally would give it to the poor and needy. Oh. Just give it, give it away, give it away, give it away. And Mansa Musa's wealth was legendary. He gave away so much gold. It's actually said that he caused inflation in the cities he passed through. Which is again, this is where I heard about him from that real podcast. Mean, I was, wait I a second. You mean if you give people a lot of money all at once, it causes inflation? Unfortunately. What? Rule of economics. That's how that works? But some have referred to him in pop culture as the wealthiest person in history, right? Like I said in the beginning. But his actual wealth is not quite known with complete certainty because the Mali Empire did boast a significant amount of gold and salt deposits and they dominated in slave and ivory trade, which again, good, bad, and ugly. We said we talk about it. That will certainly help with a lot of money. You got to wonder how much they had in like actual <laughs> liquid. Uh, no, but like, they, they, <laughs> what's, what's your <laughs> how liquid, much liquid gold do you have, guys? <laughs> as opposed to like hardened bars. No, but like, you got to wonder how much they actually had because, I mean, dude, eighteen tons of gold. Yeah. Like, well, like, what do you even? If he's given it away that much, one, it could have been intentional. He could have been a saboteur of all the local economies. That could have been an intentional. Oh, thing. you think he was playing a chess game with maybe, like maybe local and then take over those economies because they collapsed? Mm. Maybe. Um, but maybe he was just a nice guy. Ah, he murdered people and conquered. Things. I didn't. I mean, um, I don't so know if he I, murdered people himself. Conquer. Come on. He, he was a skilled he martial artist. Maybe he, he went just, to battle. Maybe he just slapped him over the, you know, yeah, just slapped he did him the over the head and said, Napoleon don't do that. dynamite speed yeah. test. He's like, I don't actually carry yeah. it out. Yeah. You know, whenever I meet an enemy, I just cuddle them to sleep. That's you don't know. Right. No, I, 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 he obviously was a dangerous person. Um, but with that being said, like, I just, it is interesting to think, like, I can't even imagine 18 tons of gold. Like, like, yeah. It would definitely fill up this room. It would definitely fill up. It would fill <laughs> yeah, up this house. It would fill up this room. Honestly, I like it. I mean, two tons. It's a lot of gold. It's an elephant. Well, as they approached Mecca, this giant 
caravan of 60 what was it what did i say it was like 60 60,000 60,000 people a full stadium of football fans yes something the chargers will never see <laughs> oh my gosh musa and his entourage were met by the ruler of egypt this was mamluk sultan al nasir muhammad i think i i think i did that name justice i hope so who would soon provide them with an escort that helped them actually cross the Red Sea. They had arrived in Cairo in July, July of wait, 1324. Wait. And they, wait, they left in 1310? 13, Is that what? No, no, no. Oh, no, okay, no, no, okay, no. gotcha. Oh, sorry, sorry. I was sorry. like, sorry. did sorry. I say that? Because that's that. not right. Yeah, no, start over. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Yeah. No, no, no. 1324. Same year, same July, year. July, They arrived in Cairo in July of 1324. Again, July. Egypt. Sahara Desert. They camped out next to the Pyramids of Giza, which was probably, you know, those were still covered in gold or ivory. Actually, I don't think they were in 1324. No, 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 no. But uh, they then crossed the Nile River into the city July 19th. And the meeting between Mansa and the Sultan. Uh, the Mansa, excuse me, his name's not Mansa. The Mansa, Musa, and the Sultan was at first very strained because I thought this was quite funny. <laughs> Mansa Musa actually refused to bow to the Sultan. And then he did, but he said he was only bowing before God alone. And so it was a pretty awkward beginning, but they grew close because gold tends to make relationships money makes the world go around (laughs) when it has stuff behind it yeah now it's said that he gained so much admiration and respect among the people of egypt due to his enormous generosity and his vast wealth he spent lavishly while traveling through the country for approximately three months he kind of was around commissioning construction of mosques and schools and other public works he was said to have brought with him a large amount of scholars and intellectuals who actually help spread knowledge and learning in Egypt. So um, big deal. But much of what is known today about Mansa Musa actually comes from Egyptian historians and their teachings after befriending the ruler during this pilgrimage. So interesting contextual information there for sure. Yeah. Egypt was really good at keeping records. A lot of history that we know of is because of their records. Oh, well, unfortunately the library of Alexandria Catholic church being burnt to the ground is like the most devastating thing I can think of. There were a lot of secrets in there. Yeah. Controversy isn't ever far though. (laughs) Musa's gift giving to the Egyptian people did not go unpunished because no good deed ever does. Historians have cited his appearance in the region and his generosity as the reason the value of gold depreciated in Egypt at the time, not recovering from economic collapse for 12 years after his visit. Planned. It was planned. Planned. You think that was planned? planned. He planned it. He That's planned it. Do you want to know why? Of you. 1300 CE. Okay. Long time ago. I can have my opinions. I think it was planned. That makes total sense. You know what they can't, you know what countries can't do when they're bankrupt? What? Wage, Fight? Wage war, go and conquer. Well, they can't do those things. Some historians have argued that this was just normal, you know, inflation period Maybe. of time and the value of gold would depreciate and go up and down. But inflation's a hot topic these days, so I yeah. thought I'd mention it. Very interesting. But on October 18th, Mansa Musa and his entourage did leave Egypt and they continued to make their way to Mecca. Once arriving, the 12,000 strong group at the time, they... Wait, it went from 60,000 to 12,000? 
I think they like draw. Oh, they just okay. Off, I was like, like they were, like you know what I mean. Like you have a bunch of people, and they were dispersing through towns, and some people are like, eh, "F this, probably go home." We lost forty eight thousand. Let me re- let me re- let me say it this way: this giant group of people with Monsamusa slightly down to a less giant group of people. They visited many holy cities or many holy sites in the city, and at one point, some of his group and a group of Turkic pil- Turkish. Um, not Turkish, excuse me, Turkic. 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 Pilgrims to Mecca were about to fight because, you know, people fight. And they had their swords drawn and everything. But demonstrating his leadership skills, Matsumusa Musa calmed down. He's well, like, you know what he did? He down, showed up guys. and he was like, guys, 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 guys. We don't need to fight here. Here. Here's $15 million in gold. <laughs> Chill. This is, this is about a quarter ton. Here you can have it. We don't need it. Well, he was establishing many trade routes along the way. Diplomatic ties increased the wealth and power of the Mali Empire. So not only was he going through with his pilgrimage to Mecca as part of his Islamic faith and one of the five pillars, he also was like, we might as well make this a business trip as well. Okay, we're going to expenditure um, all that stuff we bought in Egypt, and we're going to establish some diplomatic ties with (laughs) whoever else is here on a pilgrimage. You know what I mean? It's like when you go on vacation, you're like, let's have a business talk and write this off. That is not tax advice, and I've never done that before. (laughs) What in God's name? We're definitely never, ever... We're keeping that in. Um, You know know what's funny? Uh, I'm getting some, like... I'm getting some weird vibes from this guy. I like him. Really? I like him. But he, oh, I really like him. He reminds me of Kanye West for some oh, reason. Don't what? for some reason I'm getting Kanye vibes what? before Kanye went crazy. Like oh. like 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 I'm talking like he just does whatever he wants. That's what it seems like. Well, he literally just does whatever he wants. Well, it was time to go home. What did you do this summer, Mansa Musa? Well, uh, I decided to bankrupt the entire country of Egypt. Um, <laughs> and then on my way to Mecca, I got into nearly got into a fight. But thank God I had at least seven tons of gold still in remaining coffers that I had carried uh, by my friends and family of 12,000. And, uh, and we gave them some of that gold and then we avoided the fight. And now I'm on my way back from my pilgrimage in which I just basically corrupted the world with the amount of wealth i had well his legacy goes on so despite the the inflationary period of egypt for 12 years inflationary decisions yeah I bet you those individual people who they maybe were said, so happy when they couldn't yeah, get they, food. Yeah, they were like, I, can <laughs> I get have food all today. this gold, but yeah. I have all, none of this food. Yay! <laughs> but the return to Mali was challenging. It wasn't as, you know, honky dory as one would it say. It wasn't honky dory the first time. Yeah. It went 2,700 miles across the desert. Now, much, much of the uh, Malayan pilgrims were suffering of starvation oh at God. this point oh my God, <laughs> that's not funny dude. why are we laughing because oh. this is gone this is this has been honestly this is emotionally traumatic is well, what this okay, is okay. if you think about it in the context of actual history sixty thousand people left the Mal- malian empire with 18.5 tons of gold on top of whatever else they had all the other stuff they had to carry. Then they get to Mecca, and their numbers have dwindled down to 12,000. And now they have to go back 3,000 miles. <laughs> well, they also were cold, <laughs> and they had lots of raids. Again, bandits. By the time they reached Suez, which that's 
There's a canal there. There's a canal there. That's yeah. right. Musa had to borrow money and resell much of what they had bought initially while traveling through Cairo. And he began to rack up some debt. But the Sultan of Egypt was equally as generous as Musa was. And in return, he began to shower Mansa Musa with gifts, just as he had done to the Sultan when first passing through. And just like it's been in all Wait. time, money and friends wait so that okay wait a second so this is hand i see hand. i see what this pro i see what the problem is mansa decides to go on this uh, musa decides to go on this trip mm-hmm. bring all this gold bankrupt all these small titty cities <laughs> small cities <laughs> said something else <laughs> small cities and towns <laughs> and uh and then and then he loses all of his money but then he goes back to egypt and then the sultan of egypt gives him more gold it's not Moose's fault anymore. Well, well, well. You know what? When you got friends in high places. You can get through just anything. Okay. Friends in high places. <laughs> mm, here's some gold. Uh. But after returning from his pilgrimage, finally to the Mali Empire, Mansa Musa he continued to expand and build new mosques, more schools, promoting Islamic scholarship and culture. He commissioned the construction of the famous Jinjubir Mosque in Timbuktu, and became this became a center of scholarship in the region and learning. Mm. And he brought back with him several Muslim scholars from Mecca, uh, architects and religious leaders who actually helped establish a more organized and centralized Islamic structure in the kingdom. And additionally, he can uh, commissioned a new building uh, or new buildings and roads. And it was just infrastructure. You know, it was great. I'm telling you, he planned the entire thing. He did this whole thing, came back and was like, you know what? We're going to, guys, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go on this awesome trip, okay? It's going to be a really fun summer. Hot boy summer. We're going to go across the. the, Monsa Musa did a hot hot boy boy summer summer. pilgrimage to. 2,700 miles to Mecca. We're going to bankrupt everyone along the way. We're going to barely make it back with our lives. Thousands of, of you may die. In fact, all of you may die. I will be the only one that's going to survive because you have to die for me if I tell you to. With that being said, I'm going to get back and then I'm going to build all these roads. And no one's going to bother us because no they're all bankrupt. And no one's going to stop us because we're <laughs> bankrupt. Oh, who owns these roads? Mansa Musa. Mm-hmm. You don't because I have inflated your country <laughs> into fiscal hell. It's kind of genius. It is. If that's the case. That is genius. Your speculation uh-uh. has gone noted. He is a genius. But But uh, he also introduced new agricultural techniques, such as the construction of irrigation canals. And he had all the money to do that. (laughs) Which increased the agricultural output of the kingdom and improved the standard of living of many Malayans. Is that how you say that? Malians. Malians, excuse me. Yeah. Malayans is like a group of yeah. lions that are yours. <laughs> Sorry. For for many living in the Mali Empire at the time. What's that he, sound in the backyard? All that roaring. Oh, that's Malayans. Ma, it's Malayans. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Malians. Now, Mansa Musa, he actually died. He didn't live forever. <laughs> the way I said that was so valley girl. <laughs> he actually yeah. died. Yo, bro. Oh What's up, dude? I'm sorry, a little self. He actually died, bro. Anyway, he 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 died. died. He did die. He died in 1337, and he was succeeded by his son. The exact circumstances of his death are not entirely clear. So he took 2,000 ships across. No, yeah. He too did the 2,000 ships. No, no, no. Um, There are various accounts of how he passed away. But in 1337, there was what seems to be a legitimate 
date of death. So 1337 is where we're going to go. So that's when he died. That was his date of death. Yeah. Right. 1337. He would have ruled Molly for about 25 years in total. Hmm. And according to some sources, he died on his return journey from a visit to the city of Timbuktu, which is where he would have gone to inspect the progress of the new mosque that he had commissioned. Other sources suggest that he died in Niani, which was the capital of the Mali Empire, where um, it's also said that he was buried there. And there's also various accounts of of exactly what caused his death. Some say he died of natural causes. Some suggest he may have been assassinated or poisoned as, you know, is always a risk when you are a ruler with a billion dollars on, on a caravan going across the desert. You never know what's going to happen, I guess. Um, but uh, there's no definitive explanation or evidence to support any of those claims. So, Wait, so we don't know. So we can speculate. We can. <laughs> don't you dare. You get so excited. You're like, I can speculate. <laughs> You went back dead. to Mecca again, but no. this time you wanted to stop in Timbuktu, so a little bit out of the way. He bought he brought thirty six tons of gold with him this time. One of the wheels on the gold carriage broke. He had to go out back with some of his friends, replace the wheel. Unfortunately, the wheel, which was also made of gold, fell. Okay, and then and then he fell too, or what? I'm just going to leave it at that. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's very haunting. Cliffhanger. Haunting. We don't know what happened after write, that. Write your own ending. That's why I loved those books <laughs> as a kid, man. No. <laughs> they don't have the... Kids don't know these days. They don't know. No, those books don't. were wonderful. Those in Mad Libs. Yeah. yeah. I ha- There was one... I can't remember which book it was, but it was like a, it was like a spooky horror book, and it was like one of those like pick your own endings. And yeah. I cheated. I read like a few of them, you, and then I was like, which one's cheated? the right ending where I live? Yeah, because I was I, I read the entire book. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, just actually, what I did is I went from page one all the way through. <laughs> I didn't go from page one to fifteen like you're supposed to all the way through. So it was very confusing at first. I see. Joking, I didn't do that. With that being <laughs> oh, said, okay. Back to the wheel falling. Mansa Musa's legacy lives on today, not just in the history of the golden age of the Mali Empire, but also in the impact of his pilgrimage and the spread of Islam in West Africa and his contribution to the region's cultural and intellectual development. He is, however, not without his criticisms. Some have accused him of being irresponsible with Mali's wealth and unfaithful to tradition. What are they talking about? <laughs> you know. What do you mean? You Are you telling me are you telling me that it might have been irresponsible to go on a year-long fiasco across the saharan desert all the way through northern africa to mecca while taking 18.5 tons i don't know why it's 0.5 maybe just round up to 19 19 tons of gold giving away all the gold to everyone. Well, here's the thing. If you go by your your personal brand of conspiracy, it was genius. on purpose. It and was it was genius, genius because mm-hmm. he got to work on the infrastructure. But if this guy was like, I don't know, what's a good comparison? I, I can't even think of a good comparison. I can't use I can't use Mr. West. That's just insulting. Um, and that was a joke on, that was a Sultan joke. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. Um, gotcha. With that being said, that's some high, highbrow pun. Mm. Um I don't even know of a good comparison, but yeah, obviously it's not very intelligent to take a bunch of gold everywhere with you. Well, I mean, he got to Mecca. He made a lot of trade routes and diplomatic Did partnerships. He, spend, along he the obviously way. spent all the gold. A lot of it. Well, here's the thing. Reports of his wealth 
and generosity have withstood the test of time. Obviously, the richest person of all time classification was actually popularized by an article from Celebrity Net Worth. That sounds credible. Right. Um, <laughs> not exactly the most credible site. That sounds incredibly, but that sounds incredibly who knows? credible. I mean, I don't know. They actually translated it to today about $400 billion was his net worth is what they're saying. How would they know that? Well, the reality. How, wait a second. How genuine question? How would how would celebrity net worth know that? <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. How exactly. would you know? That, that's where he got popularized for that for that time. But here's the thing: the reality is we don't know where he's buried. That's the reality. Most Arabic scholars and historians state it's just nearly impossible to actually accurately estimate how much money this Who guy made has. up that number yeah 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 so exactly the true net worth we'll probably never know he had a lot of money a lot of gold if you consider money gold yeah you know what i believe i am uh one of the workers of celebrity net worth i believe <laughs> that uh we actually can correctly uh indicate the actual value that jesus christ had when he was alive we've done the calculations and it seems to be that he had a net worth of right around one he balances point, checkbooks he did he had about 1.4 million dollars saved up in his roth ira um oh it's because he had frankincense and myrrh giving yeah. him as a baby right well the problem was judas tried to screw it up screw him over with a higher interest rate and unfortunately judas took that personally and then judas got mad you know how it went but after that his apr was ridiculous it was crazy yeah. i mean the house market was about to collapse at that point mm. I, how do you determine honestly this is like this makes me see here's the thing this is why we do this show and i know that we're not like we're not historians okay and people will probably look at us and be like you guys do more harm than good maybe maybe we do maybe we are causing as much problems i didn't know anything as, about this as, guy maybe until, yeah like, well maybe we're ago. causing maybe my stories are causing as much problems as celebrity net worth determining that monsa musa had 400 billion dollars which how much did the Mali Empire? Have? Well, well, here's the thing. Um, That's the point. That's the point. It's almost impossible. It is. You don't to know. Separate his personal wealth from the Mali Empire. From the monarch of what she was, and the empire, the actual wealth of the empire, right? Yeah. So, the richest man who ever lived Yo, it's not is like, a nice title, and we're going to use it in, the, in our podcast. But, but. We don't really know that. Well, it's for not sure. like we can track it like today where he we did can look have a at a lot of a lot of gold. It's not like we can track it today where we can look at like modern politicians and be like, oh, you made X amount of dollars and now you're worth $500 million? Well, you know, the, Weird. The, those, those not celebrity estimates of net worth are always wrong. It's got to be made up. Yeah. I want to meet that guy. I want to meet that celebrity <laughs> net worth adjuster who works at celebrity net worth. Well, here's the thing. It's actually uh, believed that these rumors of his extreme wealth were actually perpetuated by Mons Musa himself. Oh. That he may have spread rumors mm. around that gold grew like a plant in his kingdom, which we know gold doesn't grow like Yeah, it does. But regardless of that, he was ground. an extremely wealthy and generous man. That much we do know. And he remains a significant figure of... Uh, West African history and continues to be remembered for his wealth, his piety, and his patronage of the arts and Islamic culture. Hmm. And that right there is Mr. Mansa Musa. You know, I have to say I've, I've rated all almost all of our characters, almost all of them, um, mm -hmm. in very accurate and easy to understand rating scales at the end of every episode. And I have to say with very a very high level of um, responsibility mm -hmm. and decorum. That if I had to rate Mansa Musa between 
Bill Gates. Mm, we didn't do Bill Gates. He's still alive. I'm using metrics that oh, are okay, okay, sure. yeah. understandable. Gotcha. If I had to compare him to today on my scale of very wealthy individuals, I'll keep Bill Gates. Bill Gates being one I'm not a huge fan of. And then... Um, Isn't Elon Musk the richest person in the yeah, world? Yeah, but I want to use Elon Musk because he's the, you can't compare... You mentioned him earlier. The Doge King. Fine. The Doge King. Um, yeah. I, I would say Mons is like an eight. Okay. I give him an eight out of ten. I, uh, I think your conspiracy theory is quite interesting. I think it's right. I think it makes sense. He was both generous and calculated. He said, not only am I giving to the poor, but I'm also bankrupting their governments. No, he's also bank. Well, yes, he's bankrupting those countries. And think about it this way. If you give a bunch of people who have nothing, something, and then give a bunch of people who have something, nothing, what happens? Yeah. That's the whole argument against some certain things because of that. You give a bunch of people a ton of money for no reason. The, economy is going to take a giant doo-doo well we're not having no we're not having a conversation i guess my no i'm just saying that that, that i think i think that's what he did i think he it was an international espionage mission is what i think and then he he tied it in yes in the mullion empire the let's let's just call him Mansa musa ruler of the mali empire and undercover spy yeah i liked it i think he's really cool uh, and hopefully our viewers and listeners liked him as well um i mean criticisms wise uh, that i haven't given rulers of countries prior to i think he's cool he's cool but he probably murdered a lot um <laughs> with that being said that's what they all do so that's the purpose of the show and every ha- ruler we've mentioned has murdered uh, pretty, well, almost all of them y- one of them, yeah. one I think who hasn't is Catherine the Great, but she may no, have. No, she, she murdered. Maybe. She, she murdered. She, Sorry, Catherine. She, we, she did more espionage than we think. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, if you happen to like this show, I didn't ask in the very beginning, uh, it would be wonderful if you could give a subscription uh, if you happen to like it. If you didn't happen to like it, no worries. With that being said, what I can say is the reason that we do the show is to give some insight into these particular leaders that may have impacted our history that we live today mm-hmm. and the history of the past without looking at them with some level of rose colored lens yeah so even though i did like monza um i don't like everybody so <laughs> you he's, don't he's you, a rare one yeah you've you've you, you're usually a lot harsher i'm kind of impressed there's really not much for me to criticize outside of the murder and maybe the irresponsibility of 18 tons of gold being dragged across yeah. the sahara he's desert. also one of these characters where unfortunately there's just so much of his life that we don't know about god and what would be the insurance what would be the insurance? Of I don't the know carriage? if he had an insurance policy taken out. But if on it did, all like eighteen tons of gold, God, the insurance policy must have would have been insanity. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, but uh, we'll leave you with that. We are excited for our next episode, which is going to be all about. We'll let them figure it out. See That's you what soon. it'll be about. Bye, guys. Hey there, Cam here, and I just want to thank you for spending some time with Jen and I today. If you like the episode and what we're creating for you here at History Out of the Box, please give us a follow on Instagram and a five-star review on Spotify and Apple Music. This helps our podcast grow and allows our team to continue doing what we love. We appreciate your support and we can't wait for you to hear the next episode. 